make sure that you have the ability for folks within your organization to bring up ideas, bring up suggestions, have the healthy debate. And then from that, it's your responsibility as a leader to then paint that vision and then share that, over communicate it, get those teams empowered to act. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. This is your host, Jeff Tun. I want to talk to you about the episode that you're about to listen to. This episode was recorded in the weeks prior to the COVID-19 pandemic outbreak in the United States. But it's amazing how applicable some of the themes from this interview are today. It's about change and how do you lead through change? And oh my gosh, are we in the midst of some of the biggest change that any of us have ever experienced. We are truly in uncharted waters. And so some of the lessons that you're going to hear in this interview, some of the insights are things like it takes time to adjust and it will take longer than you think. Everybody needs to come together. Keep a laser focus on your mission and your values And time and time again, when you're leading through change, communication is paramount. So please take a few minutes and listen to this episode and grab some insights of how you can lead through change in these uncharted waters. Thank you very much. And now on to the episode. Change is hard. Change is uncomfortable. Change is scary. Leading through change, leading into the unknown, is one of the hardest things a leader is called upon to do. It is also one of, if not the, most important things leaders are called upon to do. As I reflect back on the previous episodes of Status Go, one of the recurring themes is change. We may have called it by different names, transformation, pivot the business, even specific projects or personal growth, but it still comes down to change, challenging the status quo. In a recent episode, when I asked him what he had learned, Michael Smith, the CIO of American Association of Family Physicians, firmly stated, never underestimate how hard change is for people. I am privileged today to speak with someone who I've had the opportunity to follow through change over the last couple of years. My boss and the president and CEO of InterVision, Aaron Stone. Welcome to the show, boss. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. <laughs> As a way of us diving into this topic and teasing out some of your background, I'd love you to reflect back. How did you learn to lead through change? happy to it you know I'd probably say the biggest driver for me where i've learned the most many of that through painful lessons of course yeah. uh, was as, as i co-founded net back in 2003 and 
if you looked at the revenue mix of Netelligent back in 2003, about 90% of it was from product resale. So reselling technology, IT technology to businesses. And then the other 10% was professional services. We transitioned that uh, over uh, 13 years to a, a business that was 50% product resale and 50% services. So really a, a huge transformation to make that pivot to more of a high, at the time we called it more hybrid IT provider. And uh, it took a lot of change, right? As you can imagine, getting people to make that kind of transformation, people hate it. Yeah. No one likes to have change. So just a couple examples that come to mind were, you know, we had engineers that uh, would raise concerns like, hey, so what am I going to do if we quit installing equipment at customers' data centers, you know, or phone systems at customer data centers, Am I going to lose my job? Yeah. Right? So you had to explain, no, 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 no. You know, here's here's what your role would be, you know, in more of a hosting cloud environment. You know, salespeople had similar concerns. I've been making money and having a great life, uh, successful for many years, selling this, and now you're asking me to change. You know, right. why? Why do I need to do something different like that if this is working? And even in 2016, we were at a spot with the success we had on getting that transformation 13 years later, we still needed to do much, much more. And that's really what, what led to, you know, we needed additional capital to get the scale and additional offerings. And that's where we did the uh, connection with Huron Capital, mm-hmm. private equity group out of, based out of Detroit, who, uh, you know, basically took the majority shareholder position for Netelligent and then merged us with a company on the West Coast, uh, no coincidence, called Intervision. Mm-hmm. Uh, which ended up being the, the name that we took for the broader company. So we merged those companies and have taken on, uh, you know, five additional acquisitions since then over the last couple, three years. And no shocker, we've had to do it all again. Right. Continuous change over the last uh, decade or more. So can you think of your background and something that prepared you to be able to stand up in front of this group of employees, of team members, and lead them through this, help them see themselves in the vision? You know, as more of a personality trait, uh, you know, I've always been a person co-founding Bootstrap, a company in 2003, I wore many hats. I was salesperson, engineer, uh, finance director, <laughs> a project manager, you know, clean the office, what, whatever it took, right? So, you pretty much live change on a daily basis when you're bootstrapping a company. So for, for me personally, and, you know, I kind of grew up with probably um, a modest background, I guess I'll put it, right? You did what you had to do. So I, w- I was personally always ready for change and, and looking to move things. But I didn't know what I didn't know as far as uh, moving cultures, you know, helping a, a team of people make change. Mm-hmm. And, and for that, I've, I've read a lot of books, right? And Try my best to, to keep an open ear to folks that have been there and done that with mentors, uh, peer groups that I've been involved with, join a group called YPO, things like that, that I can try to try to minimize the um, repeating mistakes that others have uh, hit prior to me. So is there a specific book that comes to mind related to change? Uh, just curious, since you mentioned books. Sure, sure. One of them is a, a book called uh, Our Iceberg is Melting. Ah. Uh, by uh, John Cotter. You can imagine, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, penguins living on an iceberg <laughs> and uh, 
no shocker, it's it's starting to mill, right? Well, yeah. the penguins were all pretty happy on where they were at, so you had to had to go through some different steps to get folks to want to change, to want to maybe move to a new place. So that was one book that's more of a kind of high level methodology for driving change. Mm-hmm. And then you know other ones would be things like five dysfunctions of a team. All right. Uh, some of the big components of five dysfunctions of a team. That's a Patrick Lencioni book is things like you have to have trust, right? You have to overcome that lack of trust within a team. You have to have, be willing to have conflict. You're not going to get people to rally around change if they, if they don't have a chance to voice their perspectives. So have that really good heated, heated debate conflict, and then get everyone to rally around and commit to whatever decision is made. So that's one from a kind of a how the team interacts and, and makes the, uh, those decisions for change. And then I guess really the last one would be, and there's multiple I could reference, but an, another big one would be the EOS methodology. You know, there's a book called uh, Traction or What the Heck is EOS? There's a few others, but it's really kind of that uh, process for getting people to rally around a long-term vision and then a strategy to get us there. Excellent. I know our audience loves to read just based on some of the comments and emails that we've received. So those are some great suggestions of how to learn some of the mechanics behind leading change. But while we're looking back, I know you touched on this a little bit in your intro. Uh, I'd like to dig into the InterVision story a bit because InterVision has gone through quite a bit of transition over the last three years much like what the IT leaders in our audience might be planning or in the middle of themselves. We're all in the middle of this change. And I think there's some uh, quite a few important lessons in how all this unfolded. So I'd love to go back in time to 2016. You're the CEO of Netelligent out of St. Louis. What forces are at work? What things are you seeing that led you to the knowledge that things had to change. Sure. You know, the first thing was, was uh, we'd kind of been on a similar journey at Netelligent, right? So making that pivot from selling equipment and technology that customers would own to more of a, a managed or as a service model. Mm-hmm. And, and that wasn't, that wasn't slowing down. If anything, it was accelerating with uh, more cloud like AWS and Azure. So the, the first part was getting a sense of urgency across the team. And I would do that through stories. So examples would be things like being at an all hands meeting for the overall organization and sharing stories of, you know, picture, picture yourself being at a company like Blockbuster mm-hmm. or, or Kodak, you know, Kodak yeah. was the, the company that had actually invented the digital camera, which is horrifying to think of. Right. And, and then they, they end up missing the boat and they missed the boat because the folks within Kodak were very successful and happy selling film-based solutions. So even though the technology was literally invented by them, they missed. They were eventually overtaken by the market with digital cameras, right? Or Nokia with uh, their technology they, they did on uh, first smartphones. I think they had the first internet-connected phone and then ended up getting passed by folks like Apple. So yeah. I, I share those stories so people can feel, you know, hopefully they leave those meetings thinking, wow, I... That's not, I do not want that to happen to me. Yeah. Right. And then the key thing for me was building a a strong executive team. So for us to get the greater InterVision, which is, you know, the combination of seven different companies, 
was was putting the right uh, you know guiding team you know in place, and th- that starts with an executive team. Uh, second priority getting is overall management team to be in a, a really strong position, understanding what change needs to happen, and being able to have their voices heard on how we get there. And even beyond the management team, I'm I'm a big believer in there's leaders at every level mm-hmm. within an organization. It's one of the little small things, but I specifically did not want to call the executive team a leadership team for that reason, because I think changes, while you can have um, certain folks in management or executive team that work on driving that uh, overall vision, people that can actually make it happen, make those changes a success are at all levels within the organization. And the next thing was really to, to define what is that change vision and our strategy to get there. Right. So, you know, I mentioned earlier the EOS process, which is the entrepreneur operating system. You know, the first part of that is the vision side. And we literally have a a section on it called the three year picture. What it's designed to do is give folks the ability to kind of close their eyes and imagine what does it what does it feel like to be at InterVision in 2022? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, things like, hey, we have over 500 employees and we're recognized for kind of having the highest tiers on AWS and Azure partner levels, things like that, right? So they're more feeling-based mm-hmm. things for people to get wrap their arms around. We drive our values, you know, do the right thing, achieve more together, strive for the wow as, as examples, really drive those into the culture on what our strategy is for. When we're talking about change, it's not just dollars, uh, revenue, margin. It's, it's things like how we act, how we behave. Right. What's our mission and our vision and our 10-year target to be the, the recognized leading strategic service provider in the United States? So you put all those things into place and then you develop a go-to-market strategy. You know, what are our, what's our sweet spot for customers to go after? You know, why, what are our differentiators in the market? It's, it's that for us, it's a unique combination of having the right premises, you know, cloud, AWS, Azure, hosted or on-premise for customers the right technology and the right model being things like managed or professional services or self-service. And then having a, a proven process to get there from all the way from Envision to, to Evolve. So really laying out for our folks, what does it look like? What is it? Imagine yourself being in this company in three years. What does it feel like? How are we going to act? What's our mission? You know, what's our target over the next 10 years? And then how, what's our go to market? How are we going to win? And then you go deeper into the more of the traction side of things, which are things like, what's the one-year plan? So if we want to be look feel like this in three years, what are the things we need to do in 2020 right. in this case to make solid progress towards that vision, towards that changed um, perspective of InterVision? So you're three years removed from that 2016 uh, CEO that started to put this together. What things have worked well? Uh, either during that three-year period or during your career in general uh, when leading through change? What things have you found that really worked well for you? I think what's worked well is is getting people to see the vision and buy into the vision. Where I've candidly learned my hard lessons is how painful and how long it takes to get there. So things like uh for us at InterVision now with the seven companies that have come together, integrating those organizational structures, getting on unified platforms like Salesforce or ServiceNow, 
uh, getting everyone to understand what the, the you know the new values are, mission, etc. It just takes longer than you would ever think it would take. Yeah. So it requires a lot of patience, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of repeating. You know, <laughs> uh, people say you usually take seven times for somebody to hear it. I almost uh, drive myself crazy sometimes on how much I keep, you know, messaging the vision, giving the stories. Um, but I think it's it's what is necessary for it to take hold in the culture. What things have you tried that didn't work so well when you're trying to lead change? I think the... One is what I had already mentioned, which is the timing. You mm-hmm. know, it's always it always takes longer and is is uh, more painful than you think. And the second one, which which has been a more recent thing that uh, that I've seen with Intervision since we've you know got to be much larger than any of the prior seven companies on their own, is the more siloed issues that pop up with change. Mm-hmm. So as you get to be more of a mid-sized company like Intervision is today. Uh, beyond just the getting everyone to agree on where we want to go, you also run into problems where people say things like, yeah, you know what, I, I think that's a great vision. I'm, I'm all in and we definitely need to do that. But that's not my job. Ah, yeah, That's got to be somebody else's job because I, we, I got these other things on my plate that I'm trying to do. So we recognized that last year in 2019. And what we are launching here in 2020 is a, we call it a Centers of Excellence which really I think clarifies that it, you know, for the things that we do for our our customers to add value for them, whether it be communications or cloud or hosting or security, really is a multi-departmental effort, right? We have to have the sales team aligned on understanding what to look for with customers to help add value for them. We have to have our professional services team that knows how to implement it and do the scope of work. We need to have client success aligned. We need to have our operations center or support team aligned. Everyone has to, that for that solution to really be a success for a client, all those departments have to be in alignment and, and provide that value. So we built these cross-functional teams uh, for, as we're launching in 2020, seven different groups. And each of them know that collectively, they, they really own the vision and go to market for those offerings, right? So this, right. this departmental challenge is, is one that uh, I've missed in the past and we're now executing on to try to mitigate that challenge here in 2020. That's, that's a great point. And I, and I love that you highlighted that it's really cross-functional. This is not a new organizational structure that we've rolled out. It's, it's bringing teams together from across the organization to focus on whatever center of excellence they need to be assigned to. And I think that's a great distinction because I've seen centers of excellence created before that were organizationally done rather than cross-functionally done. Was there something that led you to that approach versus the organizational approach? I think for a company our size where we were not really at the level where it made sense to divide organizationally by those offerings because we wouldn't have enough scale to cover things like like sales, have sales representation, uh, professional services, support services, all separated by offering set. Mm-hmm. So having the more matrixed or virtual teams was the approach that made the most sense for us. And if I could add something to this, a big part of how the centers of excellence I see is 
being able to help with the change we're trying to move within the culture really comes around empowering people to act, right? So as I said earlier, if you ask folks, they would say, oh, yeah, I, I, I get the vision. It makes sense. And I, I see where we're going and I support it. If you ask them, well, who's driving that? I think you would get some interesting answers like, well, it's the, you know, like the management team or these other folks or right. it's not them. Right. So now we get into these meetings. One of the examples I give to folks as we're, we were kicking some of these groups off was we will know that this center of excellence is successful when each of you in this room, some of them virtual, <laughs> are feel as miserable as the others in the room when something is not where it needs to be. Right. <laughs> Shared so, pain, right? If Shared you're pain. feeling the pain and you that means that means you feel ownership, right? And you feel like you're you know, hey, I'm I'm now empowered to fix this and to change to make improvements, not just for us but for our for our clients. Yeah. Yeah. So many of our listeners are facing change today. It seems like it's a constant, especially when you're involved in technology in any way. But they're they're looking at change in their industry, change in their business. I'd like you to pick up your crystal ball a bit here. And what changes do you see in the next three or four years that leaders, our listeners, should be thinking about now? I think the, the transition to cloud and manage people or everyone that's already on everyone's radar i think the things that are going to be even more transformational uh, as a next next phase will be the machine learning and the, and the ai integration and, and even robotics when when it comes to things like manufacturing or services so i think those are all that are going to impact pretty much every industry every every segment of the economy and we're still all trying to find our way yeah and, and what that ends up doing to jobs and, you know, when you start thinking of AI and machine learning, uh, robotics, it, it's going to change work for people. And that's going to be huge amounts of change for people. So leaders are going to have to be ready to, uh, I love the way you described it earlier on, to be able to paint that picture, that vision uh, of what it looks like in three years, in four years. Do you have any suggestions for our listeners about how they go about envisioning that future and the impacts of cloud, machine learning, robotics on their industries? Absolutely. And, and the big thing is that I want to clarify, it's not Aaron that sets the vision for the company. I'm, I'm not the only person that sets our vision. I'm a big believer of having those that strong team around me that if we can overcome the five dysfunctions of a team, <laughs> right? Uh, we can we can have some really vigorous debate and ideas across the board, and then come up with a strategy that is the more collective thought, right? And then we can all rally around that. So the first thing is making sure that uh, you get. We have such so many smart people in our organization, and I think every every organization does find ways to get those ideas set up process. I mentioned the EOS process. There's a level 10 meeting format that encourages people to bring up issues and have debate. It's kind of like a diet. There's It's not so much on picking the right process. It's it's more sticking to it, just like sticking mm -hmm. to, to a diet, right? So I encourage people to have make sure that you have the ability for folks within your organization to bring up ideas, bring up suggestions, have the healthy debate. And then from that, 
it's your responsibility as a leader to then paint that vision and then share that over, you know, over communicate it, get those teams empowered to act, do things like sharing the wins, little short wins along the way. Cause it's, it's frustrating, right? Yeah. Change is, change is painful. So you, you have to have some encouragement along the way, you know, like, Hey, we, we just won this deal or, um, and here's how it's going to, here's how it's going to not only help the, the company and our change, but it's, here's how we're really transforming our customer. Here's a new offering that we just launched to market that we put a lot of work into and we're super excited. Uh, you have to have those little exciting things because there's going to be a lot of friction and, and pain to go with it. You have to offset that. We're about ready to wrap. We're running out of time, but I, I wanted to ask you, uh, as you've thought about in preparing for our conversation today, is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to be sure and share with uh, our listeners today, Aaron? I guess one would be, you know, we talked about you know, painting that, that long-term vision, that, that picture for people to get them excited about that and, or at the least understand why we need to make a change. Um, you know, building the plan, empowering folks to do it. One thing we didn't hit on is how do you not let it kind of fall through the cracks, uh, right? Because yeah. Like most things, you, you start doing it, you know, so it's kind of like the exercise plan after the new year starts, right? You're Everybody's rah-rah and <laughs> going to the gym and doing their thing. And yeah. then it's like, whew, I'm getting a little tired and nobody's talking about it as much anymore. I think I'll just skip tomorrow. Yeah. Right? So how, do you, how do you avoid that skipping tomorrow? And I think examples of that are just constant internal PR messaging, in many cases, adding resources that are focused on the change. So if you can find ways that, okay, we can't obviously have everyone, um, you know, focus just on the new things the new offerings, you know, transformation, but have some people that are fully dedicated to that within our organization. It might be things, roles like client success managers, or maybe a product manager or product engineer that's for a new offering. Then they're, they're laser focused on that. Right. So they're, they're almost like that vitamin or the encouragement for the, the rest of the team. And also things like modifying compensation plans. You know, mm -hmm. people love that, by the way. Yeah. When they change their compensation plan. But that's, <laughs> I love that's, it if it goes up. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's one of those that if you ask them if, you, if they understand why we need to make a change in the compensation plan to kind of drive the change in the culture, everyone usually, most people usually get it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's not always well received at first. Right. But you have to do those kinds of things to, to make sure that the change you're trying to drive doesn't wither. It becomes something that's pervasive and, and, and gains momentum over time. So as I warned you, I always like to ask our guests to give some advice to our listeners. So what are one or two things that our listeners should do tomorrow because they listen to us today? You know what? I'll give you two. I'll give you one that's more on the business side and one maybe on the personal side. On the business side, I'd say for that change, one last suggestion to think about would be how you measure that change. Yeah. You know, are we making progress towards that and then rewarding people for those things? And then on the personal side, I have, I have three kids that are 10, 13, and actually just turned 15 today. It's her, my oldest. Uh, it's oh, excellent. Uh, is getting them ready for change. I mean, it's, as much as when I joined the workforce, how scary it was and how much thing was things were changing, it's only accelerated. So 
trying to think of, I sit down and have conversations with them about, uh, you know, where's the job market going? What are the implications of things like robotics or machine learning, AI, and, and what are some potential career paths that would be, I can't say not impacted, but, you know, right. less impacted by those technologies and having those open dialogues, conversation with them to help them almost paint their own picture, but be thinking about painting that picture of change that they need to, they need to do. That is great advice. And, and I think that holds, as you say, in, in our personal lives, but it also it, it, in business, helping people to see what those changes might be and what the impacts might be. I think that is fantastic advice. Aaron, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I appreciate you carving out time to sit down and, and chat with us. So thank you very much for being uh, with us today. Absolutely. Happy to do it, Jeff. Thanks. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Aaron Stone. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.